With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. So I joined the CIA. And now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit CIA.gov careers to learn more and apply. It is game day on Gamecock Central Radio, the Belt Bowl edition of GCR. Emerson Phillips here with Wes Mitchell. And, Wes, we're ready for South Carolina and Virginia in the Belt Bowl noon kickoff on ABC at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. And I think this is an interesting matchup, but, Wes, from a history standpoint, number one, South Carolina and ACC team many years ago. And, you know, there was a time when Virginia was an annual opponent for the Gamecocks so for some you know for those of us who are a little bit longer in the tooth I think it's an interesting matchup from that standpoint and what also makes it interesting to me Wes is the fact that the Gamecocks have never lost at Bank of America Stadium and Virginia won the first two belt bowls ever played there so you know the the Cavaliers have had success in Charlotte as well so something's got to give today when the Gamecocks meet the Cavaliers yeah I think should be a fun matchup I think should be a you know fairly even matchup I, I think two teams that are uh, you know looking to put an exclamation point on the season that's had some ups but had some downs as well and uh, you know like you said South Carolina's been good in Charlotte um, you know I think there are some things from a matchup standpoint that probably favor the Gamecocks but I think there's also some things that, that maybe favor the Cavaliers as well um, you know I think this is a game that probably goes into the fourth quarter and and we'll see which side can can come out on top obviously South Carolina still dealing with with injuries on the defensive side that I think even this game out a little bit because otherwise on paper if both teams are healthy I I think you give South Carolina you know maybe a pretty decent advantage but um, bowl games very very difficult to project I feel like they're very difficult to um, sort of predict and uh, Mm -hmm. so so we'll see but I I think a, a chance for South Carolina to get eight wins today. All right, let's start there, Wes. Let's start with personnel. We'll start with personnel and injuries. Well, obviously, we know that Debo Samuel is out today, foregoing this Belk Bowl game to prepare for the NFL draft. I certainly don't want to you know, discuss the merits of that decision. I, I, I personally don't fault a guy for wanting to not risk injury and go ahead and get himself ready for his professional career. Debo has done so much for the Gamecocks. I think uh, most folks wish him the best, and you know we just – make peace with the fact that he's not playing today. So it is what it is. But talk about what the Gamecocks are dealing with without Debo today and talk about injuries on the defensive side of the ball, which you just mentioned. You know, that was a real problem uh, late in the season and going into the Clemson game. It's well-documented Gamecocks injuries on defense. They were minus six safeties for the Clemson game alone. So injuries have been a real problem this year. And how much has the time off to prepare for the bowl game helped South Carolina Get healthy. Yeah, you know, it's helped at some spots, obviously, and then other spots, um, you know, they're still dealing with injuries. Um, you know, they get Bryson Allen Williams back, which I think is, is massive for them, uh, particularly when you look at the fact that you still don't have D.J. Wanham. You know, they, they won't have him. 
uh, a key contributor for for this defense his first two seasons, but has dealt with injuries really for for most of this season. So I think uh, you know they, they wish they had Wanham back. They'll be without Javon Kinlaw in the middle. That's obviously a a, a big hit as well as someone who's uh, you know according to the Pro Football Focus guys uh, basically been their best most consistent defender all year long. So that that hurts. Um, you know injury report today. It looks like South Carolina. We'll have Keir Thomas and uh, Rosendo Lewis, uh, both guys, uh, you know, that are versatile and play up front and, you know, some, can do some different things for Carolina. So they'll be happy to have those guys. Um, Aaron Sterling, the defensive end, is out with a knee injury. Um, you know, he was sort of a guy that, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, could have gone either way. It was more 50 with him for the game. And then, obviously, uh, Keyson Nixon, the cornerback slash uh, Nickel Hill, He'll be out with a neck injury that uh, you know we already knew about coming in. They will get Jalen Dickerson and J.C. Horn back, which is what we expected. And um, obviously on the offensive side, Zach Bailey is out on the offensive line. And as you said, uh, no Debo Samuel on uh, at wide receiver. And Debo was actually at practice earlier this week. Uh, you know, around the guys and stuff. I think I think he misses it already, but you certainly um, understand that decision. I, I think he did what he had to do for both himself and his family. That's right. All right, Wes, the Gamecocks are five or five-and-a-half-point favorite, depending on where you look. The total is 53-and-a-half for this Belk Bowl game, Gamecocks and Cavaliers. So talk about uh, South Carolina offensively, Wes, without Debo Samuel. You know, the Gamecocks dealt with this last year and actually responded quite nicely without their top playmaker offensively. So do the Gamecock offense, does it go back to that similar look last year when Debo was hurt, you know, bigger role for Shai Smith? Talk about, you know, schematically, what are the Gamecocks going to do without Debo? Yeah, I think they're in much better shape to um, absorb that, that loss issue than they were last year. I mean, um, you know, they, they did some good things on offense last year, but obviously, you know, there's a reason Kurt Roper was not retained. And, um, you know, I think they're in a much better scheme of things now as far as what they – they make defenses sort of contain or, or make them try to cover. You know, I think last year you're talking about a pretty oversimplified um, offense that, you know, I, I don't think offered much in the way of, of making the opponents scared. I, you know, frankly, I, I think clearly you lose an outstanding skill set with Debo Samuel, a guy that can take the football to the house on any given play. You use him, you know, not just in the, the passing game, but also in the running game with direct snaps, with jet sweeps, with uh, even just using him as a decoy in jet sweeps and using him in kickoff return game. You know, these are all different ways that he's affected the game. And and then down the stretch, you know, uh, he, he had a, what, a, a muffed punt, uh, you know, recovery at Florida, and then he had a, a, a touchdown recovery against um, Akron in the final game that went for a touchdown. So, you know, Debo's just done so many things for this team as far as making things happen. Uh, you know, they're going to miss that. But I, I think Shai Smith, um, it, it sounds like he's taking more of a role um, actually specifically in Debo's absence. You know, last year he was still in the slot. He, he was sort of in the same position he's played all this year. Um, Debo's more been more of an outside player for South Carolina, um, you know, out there on the perimeter. And I, I think it sounds like Shai's going to play out there a bunch. I think you look at some of those things they use Debo, uh, like I was talking about the jet sweeps, and and just that jet sweep motion, which even if you don't hand it to them, that sort of freezes the linebackers for a split second. Keep the outside linebackers have to consider the containment of of that jet sweep guy, even if the ball is not handed to them. So, you know, I, I think we're going to start 
see Shy Smith sort of become more of a household name. I think Gamecock fans, certainly, you know, on Gamecock Central, already know what Shy Smith is capable of, but I don't think he's really a household name outside of the South Carolina fan base. So, to me, he's a guy you immediately circle for this game as being someone who could have a big day and could really start to uh, emerge as one of South Carolina's big threats for next season. One last item on Debo here, Wes. I thought it was interesting that Will Muschamp and the Gamecock coaching staff, you know, they challenged Debo this year to stay healthy for the entire year. He had a history of injuries. They felt it was important for him to demonstrate that he could play an entire season, and he did that this year. So he's elected to forego the bowl game and get ready for the draft. And to me, Debo goes down as one of the all-time Gamecock greats. So I understand the decision. And I just thought it was interesting that you know, staying healthy was a, a stated goal by Will Muschamp for, for Debo Samuel this year. Yeah, it was. And that's a, that's a goal that he hit, obviously. And, uh, you know, I think you look also at the – the lengths they went to and, and, you know, sort of modern-day college football, the, the technology involved, and, you know, they, they have that catapult system at practice where they track everything the player's doing from speed to, um, you know, literally number of miles that he runs in a given practice. And, you know, they had Debo basically on, on what amounts to a pitch count, if you want to make a, a baseball analogy, where once he had run a certain amount in practice, you know, he he's shut down for the day. Huh. So. I think that, um, you know, not only was that a stated goal for the staff, but they took great measures to to try and help him fulfill that goal. And and obviously, you know, Debo has has made a big step up, I think, from, you know, some of those issues he had early on. Now, you know, some some of the injuries he's had just were terrible luck. Uh, But some of the um, hamstring stuff, the soft tissue issues, as Muschamp likes to call it, um, the the lengths they've gone to to make sure – that those are in his past, uh, uh, you know, are commendable, I think, on both sides. So I think you got to give credit to everybody involved, coaching staff, uh, medical and training staff, and, of course, Debo Samuel as well. Gamecock Central's Game Day podcast, Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell. Take a look at the Belt Bowl. Noon kickoff today on ABC Gamecocks and the Virginia Cavaliers. West, both teams seven and five overall this year, and both teams four and four in league play. We talked earlier this month about Virginia. You know, they were picked to finish dead last in the Coastal Division by ACC Media back in the summer. So they go seven and five. They got a nice win over a ranked Miami team on October 13th, a win that, you know, frankly looked better back then than it does right now. Miami just got trucked by Wisconsin in the Pinstripe Bowl, 35-3. to But at the time, that looked like a quality win. So for Virginia to go 7-5 and five and 4-4, four and four, third place finish in the Coastal Division, and get to the Belk Bowl, it's a pretty good year for them. They have not won a bowl game since 2005, and the Cavs are happy to be in Charlotte. Yeah, they are. And, you know, like, like you said, I, I think that was a – a win for them that looked really, really good at the time. Now we see Miami start to fall off. And, uh, you know, th- this is sort of a, a Virginia team that's been, uh, I think, sort of an, an upstart program under Bronco Mendenhall. Um, you know, I think you look at what he did at BYU and you, you know this guy can coach. They're going to be well coached. Um, you know, they're pretty good defensively. They're very opportunistic defensively as far as creating turnovers, particularly in uh, the passing game. Um, and you can start to see everything come together now. Um, you know, this, this to me was their year. They needed to catch Virginia Tech and beat those guys and um, came very close to doing so but weren't able to do it. Um, you know, I think that hurt. Uh, but, but yeah, this is a team that's going to want to be there. I, I think bowl games, if you're trying to predict them, you always want to look at both sides and say, hey, is, are both of these teams happy to be here? And I, I think as far as South Carolina and Virginia go, 
uh, the answer is yes. I think they both are, are mentally in this one, and, um, you know, that, that generally leads to better play. Uh, I think that's something that can't be overlooked. The Cavs lost their last two games of the regular season at Georgia Tech and at Virginia Tech. Both losses came by just a field goal, so they were very competitive in both those games. 7-5, and five, the overall record for Virginia. And, Wes, when we're talking about Virginia's offense, we obviously start with their quarterback, junior college transfer, Bryce Perkins, who set a single-season Virginia record for all-purpose yardage. He passed for over 2,400 yards, 22 touchdown passes, nine interceptions, but a very agile runner as well, over 800 yards on the ground and nine rushing TDs. So Perkins is the offense. He makes them go. Yeah, he is, and I think you look at the ability to run the football and and sort of always uh, being cognizant of that on on defense. And, you know, that's something, as we're sort of talking about some keys in this game for South Carolina, that uh, I think uh, first and second downs, you know, um, South Carolina's inability – this year at times to get off the field on third downs that, that's directly related to uh, how you play the run a lot of times on first and second down and I, I think we've seen teams able to get chunk yardage against South Carolina on those early downs and then get themselves into those easily makeable um, high percentage third downs and you know Virginia's a team that's way up there I think 12th in the country in third down conversions uh, right at 45 percent clip I think so you know, you, you look at all those things, and, and it adds up to that being a major key for South Carolina to limit uh, him on early downs. And, and, you know, they're not a very explosive team, I don't think. They're not going to get these chunk plays out of you, but they are going to be able to just nickel and dime you down the field. And you look at the time of possession for South Carolina for most of this year, it's gone heavily against them. And I think that's the biggest scare, the biggest worry for South Carolina is if this Virginia offense is able to just sort of chip away, chip away, stay on the field, and uh, and sort of wear down a South Carolina defense that, as we talked about, is already banged up, is already probably in a situation where they, they don't want to be on the field for, um, you know, for, for 40 minutes of this game. Virginia running back Jordan Ellis needs 80 yards rushing today to reach 1,000 for the season. He's got nine rushing TDs on the year. And a good, you know, workhorse type of back. Not explosive, but certainly uh, a worker that will get uh, tough yards when needed for Virginia. But, again, everything on the Virginia offense centers around quarterback Bryce Perkins. Defensively, Wes, this is a Virginia defense that was third in the ACC in total defense. You know, better than you might think at just a glance. The Virginia defense was good this year. Juan Thornhill leads the Virginia defense with five interceptions, but the pass rush was lacking at times. West, so you know, a recipe for victory for the Gamecocks if Jake Bentley gets time to throw today. Obviously, that favors South Carolina. Yeah, and I think um, you know this offense has been very. This offensive line, I should say, has been pretty darn good at giving Bentley time to throw for for most of this season. Now it is going to be a little bit of a reshuffled offensive line. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I think the absence of Zach Bailey. It looks like Hank Manos may get his first career start, the freshman, which I think actually says a lot about his development and the fact that he's pushing along. Uh, you know, look like Chandler Farrell might be the guy, but um, Hank Manos, uh, for just from from what Colin Taylor, who's in Charlotte and watching these practices, has seen, it looks like Manos is taking a bunch of the first team reps, at least in the open portions of practice. So, um, you know, you got Manos stepping in at center. Uh, Donnell Stanley slides to one of the guard spots, Darius Hutchinson at the other guard spot. Um, you know, I, I think South Carolina's in a position to absorb that loss, but obviously Zach Bailey has been uh, really one of South Carolina's better offensive linemen for his entire career. So 
uh, that, that's something to keep an eye on. But and, and you know, this is a, a defense for Virginia that schematically um, is a little bit different than most that South Carolina has faced. Uh, that's something Jake Bentley said last week. Um, not really a team you can just look back and compare them to. So uh, I think because of that, there may be a little bit of sort of that filling out process early on where, uh, you know, both sides are sort of um, trying to figure out exactly how the other one's going to handle things, exactly how the other one's going to defend them. And then with that, you make adjustments and, and see what you can sort of attack, I think. But you, you kind of, like I said, you have to be careful. Very opportunistic Virginia secondary. Uh, they'll pick the ball off. Uh, they, they've actually got a, a DB that's got 20 pass breakups this year, which um, really that's a huge number. A lot of times yep. a, a solid defensive back doesn't even get tested enough, I, I think, to, to get that many true breakups. So he's obviously been tested, but he has uh, responded to that. And, uh, you know, I, I think Bentley will have to be careful. As we know, he's been um, – you know, he's been very, very good at times in his career, but there have been times where he's put the ball in danger. So I think that'll be a big key for Carolina as well. Both teams happy to be in Charlotte for the Belt Bowl noon kick on ABC. It's Virginia's third bowl trip in the last 10 years. So the Cavaliers, very excited to be bowling this year. Wes, the, the broken leg suffered by Zach Bailey was heartbreaking. It came on the last play of the third quarter of the Akron game. You know, this was a makeup game. Uh, the Akron game was scheduled late in the season to make up for the hurricane game that South Carolina lost back in September. And to see Bailey go down like that was devastating. You know, we know how much he's meant to Gamecock football. He's been a big part of this Carolina offensive line. He's been the leader of the offensive line and an offensive line group that I think was much improved this year over the last couple of years. So that was, you know, a bitter pill to swallow. But anytime somebody goes down, that means it's an opportunity for somebody else. So we're talking about Hank Manos today. The uh, Chapin product, he's a local kid, state champion wrestler at Chapin High, fantastic athlete, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do if, if in fact, he gets to start today, Wes. You know, been keeping up with his kid through his high school years, and to see him get a chance for the Gamecocks today, that's a good thing. And, you know, Manos could be a key figure on the line for the next couple or three years. Yeah, well, I think you look at A, it's, it's outstanding that he can, you know, he can play in this game and still redshirt. He's still under that four-game threshold and you know I think that's something you look at and say um, you know that's a positive for this new rule so um, you know he'll come back next year um, potentially if he starts you know he'll he'll be a starter in the belt ball which is an outstanding developmental experience for him and we'll be able to come right back as a redshirt freshman next year so uh, you know I, I think uh, again that speaks to his development so far this year to um, obviously he's he, has apparently made progress uh, under Eric Wolford so far, and he, he may get rewarded with that start. And that that would be a big, uh, I think, boost for this line going into next year. Um, you know, Donnell Stanley, a, a kid that, um, you know, is still yet to make a decision on if he's coming back. He does have another year if he wants it. I tend to believe that he will be back, um, which would mean South Carolina, if, you know, if Mando steps up, then – all of a sudden, I think you feel really, really good about what the line looks like next year. Obviously, you have to replace a Zach Bailey, um, you know, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm very, very high on Javon Gwynn, the other redshirt freshman interior lineman, but this will give you some options. You know, if Manos is the guy at center, maybe Stanley is a guard next year. Um, you know, that gives you Sedarius Hutchinson still back at guard, but Hutchinson also could slide out and play right tackle, and you move Dylan Wanham. I think Dylan Wanham definitely moves to left tackle next year as good as he's been for Carolina. Um, 
you know, so so maybe Gwen steps in at guard and, you, you know, you slide Hutchinson out to right tackle. So, it, you know, this would give South Carolina some real options uh, going into next year if Hank Manos can sort of use this game as a springboard. Wes, we got to talk about strength of schedule, maybe lack thereof for Virginia. You know, I think the sentiment around South Carolina is that outside of Clemson, the ACC just doesn't have much. You know, Syracuse, maybe the second-best team in the ACC this year. Virginia with wins this season over Richmond, Ohio, Louisville, Miami, Duke, North Carolina, and Liberty. Losses at Indiana, at NC State. They lost at home to Pitt, and they lost at Georgia Tech and at Virginia Tech to wrap up the regular season. So, you know, the best teams on Virginia's schedule beat Virginia, Wes. And, again, strength of schedule to me, it looks like the Gamecocks have played a much tougher schedule, and they might be better prepared to win this game today for that reason. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, on paper, you know, I think there's a reason South Carolina is, is favored in this game. Um, you know, I think they're supposed to win this game. Uh, again, you don't, you just don't know with bowl games, and we'll see if South Carolina comes out and, and plays, um, you, you know, sh- sharp, or do they come out and, and play a, a bit sloppy, as you can see sometimes when a team has had, you know, some time off. So, um, obviously, turnovers will play a big part of that. Red zone, offense and defense play a big part of that. But, uh, you know, I see this as a game that South Carolina should win, but probably somewhere in – I've been saying like a 27-21, 27-20, maybe a 27-24 type game. I think it probably gets slowed. The game gets slowed down a bit by Virginia if they're able to stay on the field some. You know, I don't know if this is a team South Carolina can necessarily just go blow out because they have been good defensively. But at the end of the day, you certainly feel like on paper that South Carolina is the better football team and should go win this game. All right, Wes, a couple of other items here. Draft grades are in, and this is a story that we've been following you know, throughout the month, and there hasn't been a lot of movement on this front until the last couple of days. Uh, Jake Bentley, Brian Edwards you know, could be headed for the draft, and they're going to wait until they get their draft grades, which they just got this week. So let's talk about that for a moment, and what are the prospects of uh, those two coming back to South Carolina for another year? Or does it look like they're going to go pro? Or do we even know at this point? Yeah, you know, I think, um, and, and from what they said today, um, you know, or what they said Friday at media day, Jake Bentley um, is, is going to wait till after the ball to say what he's going to do. And he did not disclose what his draft grade is. Brian Edwards is also going to wait, but he did disclose that his draft grade was for him to come back to school, even though he has not officially made that decision yet. Um, you know, I think looking at Jake Bentley, um, I would be shocked if he doesn't come back to school. Everything I've heard, everything we've seen indicated that we've picked up the last couple of months is that Jake Bentley is definitely coming back to school. He'll obviously make his own, you know, official announcement. But, uh, you know, I think you can pencil him in as South Carolina starter at quarterback next season. Uh, Brian Edwards has been a little bit more up and down, I guess you'd say. It's been a fluid situation. You know, at one point, it seemed like Edwards was heavily considering it, at the very least, you know, considering leaving. But uh, the word I've gotten probably the last month, um, or maybe the last probably two or three weeks, to be more accurate, is that Edwards is leaning towards coming back. I, I think the fact that his draft grade also said for him to come back um, helps that for South Carolina. You know, I, I think he'll he'll you know, make a final decision after the bowl game and, and go from there. It is a fluid situation, but right now I think there's a pretty good chance that South Carolina not only has Jake Bentley back, but has uh, Brian Edwards back as well. And 
And, and then, like we said, Donnell Stanley has a decision to make, too. You know, he's publicly said that he has not made a decision yet. Um, the the general word has been that, that Donnell Stanley will probably, probably be back, too. Okay. Wes, the early signing period was, what, 10 days ago, and we know that Ryan Helinski, the quarterback from California, will be on campus in January. And I've had several people ask me, uh, what does this mean for the Gamecock quarterback situation? I've had folks inquire about, you know, to carry on Joyner, staying with the program. And, you know, I, I, my, my answer has been that I fully expect to carry on Joyner to remain with the Gamecock football program. But I think that's a legitimate question when you look at quarterbacks at other schools that have transferred due to, uh, you know, there being lots of talented players at the position. You know, quarterback transfers are very common nowadays. So talk about the Gamecock quarterback position with Helinski coming in, to carry on Joyner, already being part of the program, and, you know, Jake Bentley may return for another year. Where does that lead to Gamecocks? Well, I think it leaves them in a really good situation, you know. Um, yes, sir. You know, I think we uh, – and uh, my, my buddy Rob Prophet, uh, breaking down film on Twitter, he uh, made a point at, at some point, basically like, why Why is a at least portion of the fan base already asking um, who's going to transfer – when one of the quarterbacks hasn't even been on campus for a year yet right. and to carry on Joyner, and the other one hasn't even gotten to Columbia yet. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, sure we can look ahead a bit and say, hey, um, you know, maybe all these guys don't stick, but at the same time, you, that's what you want. You want competition at the quarterback position. Look at the big-time programs. They bring in – big-time quarterbacks every single season almost. Uh, you know, they have a four-star or five-star guy every every recruiting cycle. So if they're going to be a big-time program, you have to be really good at the quarterback position. The way to do that is to bring in big-time players. If somebody ultimately transfers, then they transfer. So be it. you got to keep recruiting. But right now, you know, to carry on Joyner, he put out a very, uh, like, very specific statement saying that he's going to be back um, that he plans to be back at the you know at the end of the regular season, you know I take him the way he he said it. I take him completely at his word on that, and uh, you know I, I think next year Jake Bentley is South Carolina starter, and uh, the carry on Joiner, Jay Yurick, and uh, Ryan Helinski will probably be battling for the number two spot. Um, you know Bentley's a senior; he's probably going to break uh, several South Carolina passing records next year. Um, as good as Helinski's going to be in time. I don't think we need to put the weight of the world on this kid. I know he's hyped. I know, I know. I you know, I hype him up. Everybody in the media hypes him up. I get it. Um, maybe it's hypocritical to say, but um, hey, let, let's not put the weight of the entire South Carolina football program on Ryan Helinski. Jake Bentley will, I think, be South Carolina starter next year, and then uh, and then they'll go from there. All right, Wes, today is a huge day for college football fans in the Palmetto State. We got the Belk Bowl at noon, South Carolina, Virginia. So at 4 o'clock, we've got the Cotton Bowl, the first semifinal, the first national semifinal in the college football playoff. Clemson and Notre Dame at 4. Clemson is a 12.5-point favorite in that game. And then at 8 o'clock tonight in the Orange Bowl, the second semifinal, Oklahoma and Alabama. Bama's a 14-point favorite. Wes, I wanted to get you to talk a little bit about these two games and Let's talk about the story that broke with Clemson this week. Uh, three players testing positive for banned substances, and Dexter Lawrence, Clemson's outstanding defensive tackle, you know, projected first-round pick in the upcoming NFL draft, will have to miss this semifinal game against Notre Dame. So 
give us your thoughts on that game and talk about that situation with Clemson West. It's uh, mysterious, to say the least. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I, I think um, lots of different opinions out there about that situation. But um, And, and I, I, I get both sides. I, I really do. And At the same time, I think you, you look at the the test, and it, it seems pretty foolproof to me that the, the substance was in his system. So, um, you know, I, I think there's been a certain amount of uh, spin job maybe about the, this word sliver. There's a sliver of this um, substance um, in a system where, you know, I think uh, just based on my understanding, um, you know, any trace amount or, or any, any amount of substance like that is going to be in a trace amount, uh, relatively speaking. So, uh, you know, it, it's there. That's what the rule is for. Um, you know, could it have possibly come from something else that he was taking? I, I really don't know. I, I do know that these supplements, even the legal ones, are not, um, you know, produced uh, under FDA regulations. But uh, it, it's hard for me to believe that um, he has that in his system without uh, without taking something he shouldn't have been. But, um, you know, who knows? I, I try to stay in my wheelhouse. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what the people covering Clemson uh, dig up on that one. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. A lot of folks looking at Clemson with a discerning eye right now, but you know we don't know if it's a supplement given to him by the strength program at uh, Clemson or if it. You know, we just don't know. But the bottom line is that there are not players across the country coming at, coming up with positive drug tests here. So that's what makes you kind of raise an eye at this. So, uh, you know, from a personnel standpoint, West defensive line is Clemson's strength. But uh, you, know, you lose a player the caliber of Dexter Lawrence, that's got to help Notre Dame in some way, you would think. Yeah, absolutely. I, st- I mean, Clem- I still think Clemson wins the game, don't get me wrong. Okay. Uh, uh, it's going to be hard for Notre Dame to win it. But, but yeah, Dexter Lawrence, a big-time player for them. He's a future first-round pick. And – you know, those, those guys affect what you do uh, schematically on offense. And I think not having Dexter Lawrence is a big deal. You know, Al- Albert Huggins, I think, the kid out of Orangeburg, Wilkinson will fill in for him. But but then, you know, that, that means somebody else has to fill in for um, Huggins, you know, backup spot, basically. So you, you go one spot deeper on your depth chart. They obviously have depth on that side of the ball. But, um, you know, we'll see, man. I, I think Clemson still wins the game, but – uh, this obviously has, has been a story, and I, I think it is on Clemson. Now, the bigger story here and you know, is the fact that, that three guys tested positive for this stuff. Um, so uh, mm. where, where did all three guys get? Everybody's talking about Dexter Lawrence, but um, how, you know, how many people were tested and how did, how did it get in the system of three guys? And I think if Clemson is going to use the defense of, hey, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out where it came from. You know, at some point they need to give an answer. You know, at least, hey, this is this is where we think it came from, and and try to provide some evidence of that. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where all that goes. And I, I'm more curious to see if this becomes more of a national story moving forward, or it just sort of. Uh, I know it's a national story for this game, but from a big picture standpoint, does it stay in the headlines? Does it get 
further evaluated, or is this something that just sort of goes away after this week? Right. What happens after this game is certainly something worth following as well. So I didn't want to put you on the spot there, Wes. I know we don't have a lot of information about uh, these positive drug tests up at Clemson, but that was a very interesting story that came out this week, and it could have an impact on this national semifinal game today at Jerry World in Texas. Notre Dame and Clemson. Wes, are you surprised that the point spreads are so high? Clemson a 12-and-a-half-point favorite, and it's Bama by 14 over Oklahoma. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really not that surprised, honestly. I think those teams are probably that much better on paper than those two other teams. You know, I, my, my most interesting thing heading into this weekend, though, as far as those two games, is can Kyler Murray be the great equalizer? Uh, you know, th- this kid, if you haven't just sat down and watched him play, super fun to watch. To me, he's the most electrifying guy in college football right now. Um, Alabama obviously very good on offense as well, so they're going to be able to keep pace, especially against that Oklahoma defense. But Kyler Murray against the Alabama defense, um, he's, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. Now, I'm not going to say he has to do it all, but he's got to do most of it, and um, he's going to have to keep pace with an Alabama offense that um, is going up against a, a defense that's that's worse than the one Murray is facing, if that makes sense. So uh, that, that to me is my favorite storyline for the, the those two games this weekend is seeing if Kyler Murray can turn in an all-time, I'll say Vince Young-esque performance where he just puts a team on his back in a key game and uh, and goes and and wills them to to win. I would would actually love to see Oklahoma and Alabama be a really good, hard-fought game. All right, Wes, go in your closet, pull out your bowling shoes. Let's go ahead and put them on. Let's get ready for South Carolina, Virginia in the Belt Bowl today. Thanks for your time today, Wes, and a great season with you here on Gamecock Central Radio. We appreciate what you do. Hope you have a safe and happy new year, my man. Hey, I appreciate it, Emerson. Happy new year to you as well. Happy new year to everyone uh, listening. And, uh, hey, by the way, right now I want to let everybody know, Emerson, that we've added two new features on Gamecock Central. Uh, You both have a Rivals gift subscription subscription now which for christmas is obviously past but if you got late uh christmas gifts you need to give out or birthday gifts you can now pay for the subscription and uh basically send it to somebody else but uh, also we have refer a friend which means if you get your buddy to sign up for gamecock central you get two free months added to your account and your buddy gets 50 percent off their first year so uh there's there's no limit on that so if you get if you get 10 people to sign up for Gamecock Central, you'd get 20 free months of, uh, of Gamecock Central on your account. So uh, you can actually get Gamecock Central for free for life if you just keep getting friends to sign up. So that's something we've just added, Emerson, and that we're actually very, very excited about. So I want to get the word out about that. But as you said, Happy New Year. Uh, we'll see if the Gamecocks can finish off the season with a uh, with a, a win, get to eight. Yep. And uh, maybe we should do a, a season wrap-up next year or next It will be next year, but also next week uh, on the Gamecock Central Podcast. We'll do that. Thanks very much, Wes. All right, that's Wes Mitchell. I'm Emerson Phillips. I want to thank you for joining us today and all season long here on Gamecock Central Radio. We're ready for the Belt Bowl here on GCR. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the ball game, friends.
Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.